Book 3, Chapter 4 of In Search of the Castaways. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. In Search of the Castaways or The Children of Captain Grant by Jules Verne. Book 3, Chapter 4 the wreck of the Macri. Still this wearisome voyage dragged on. On the 2nd of February, six days from starting, the Macri had not yet made a nearer acquaintance with the shores of Auckland. The wind was fair, nevertheless, and blew steadily from the southwest, but the currents were against the ship's course, and she scarcely made any way. The heavy, lumpy sea strained her cordage, her timbers creaked, and she labored painfully in the trough of the sea. Her standing rigging was so out of order that it allowed play to the masts, which were violently shaken at every roll of the sea. Fortunately, Will Halley was not a man in a hurry and did not use oppressive canvas, or his masts would inevitably have come down. John Mangles, therefore, hoped that the wretched hull would reach port without accident, but it grieved him that his companions should have to suffer so much discomfort from the defective arrangements of the brig. But neither N Lady Helena nor Mary Grant uttered a word of complaint, though the continuous rain obliged them to stay below where the want of air and the violence of the motion were painfully felt. They often braved the weather and went on the poop till driven down again by the force of the sudden squall. Then they returned to the narrow space, fitter for stowing cargo than accommodating passengers, especially ladies. Their friends did their best to amuse them. Paganel tried to beguile the time with his stories, but it was a hopeless cause. Their minds were so distracted at this change of route as to be quite unhinged. Much as they had been interested in his dissertation on the Pampas or Australia, his lectures on New Zealand fell on cold and indifferent ears. Besides, they were going to this new and ill-reputed country without enthusiasm, without conviction, not even of their own free will, but solely at the bidding of destiny. Of all the passengers on board the Macquarie, the most to be pitied was Lord Glenarvan. He was rarely to be seen below. He could not stay in one place. His nervous organization, highly excited, could not submit to confinement between four narrow bulkheads. All day long, even all night, regardless of the torrents of rain and the dashing waves, he stayed on the poop, sometimes leaning on the rail, sometimes walking to and fro in feverish agitation. His eyes wandered ceaselessly over the blank horizon. He scanned it eagerly during every short interval of clear weather. It seemed as if he sought to question the voiceless waters, 
he longed to tear away the veil of fog and vapor that obscured his view he could not be resigned and his features expressed the bitterness of his grief he was a man of energy till now happy and powerful and deprived in a moment of power and happiness john mangles bore his company and endured him with the inclemency of the weather on this day glenarvan looked more anxiously than ever at each point where a break in the mist enabled him to do so john came up to him and said your lordship is looking out for land glenarvan shook his head in dissent and yet said the young captain you must be longing to quit this vessel we ought to have seen the lights of auckland thirty-six hours ago glenarvan made no reply he still looked and for a moment his glass was pointed toward the horizon to windward the land is not on that side my lord said john mangles look more to starboard why john replied glenarvan i am not looking for the land what then my lord my yacht the duncan said glenarvan hotly it must be here on these coasts skimming these very waves playing the vile part of a pirate it is here john i am certain of it on the track of vessels between australia and new zealand and i have a presentiment that we shall fall in with her god keep us from such a meeting why john your lordship forgets our position what could we do in this ship if duncan gave chase we could not even fly fly john yes my lord we should try in vain we should be taken delivered up to the mercy of those wretches and ben joyce has showed us that he does not stop at a crime our lives would be worth little we would fight to the death of course but after that think of lady glenarvan think of mary grant poor girls muttered glenarvan john my heart is broken and sometimes despair nearly masters me i feel as if fresh misfortunes awaited us and that heaven itself is against us it terrifies me you my lord not for myself john but for those i love whom you love also keep up your heart my lord said the young captain we must not look out for troubles the Macquarie sails badly, but she makes some way nevertheless. Will Halley is a brute, but I am keeping my eyes open, and if the coast looks dangerous, I will put the ship's head to sea again, so that on that score there is little or no danger. But as to getting alongside the Duncan, God forbid, and if your lordship is bent on looking out for her, let it be in order to give her a wide berth john mangles was right an encounter with duncan would have been fatal to the Macquarie. there was every reason to fear such an engagement in these narrow seas in which pirates could ply their trade without risk however for that day at least the yacht did not appear and the sixth night from their departure from twofold bay came without the fears of John Mangles being realized.
but that night was to be a night of terrors. Darkness came on almost suddenly at seven o'clock in the evening. End of Book Three, Chapter Four.